Take it easy and trust your gut. Founded in 1999, Colin showing us another way and many would argue a much better way to build a SaaS company. You don't have to raise a billion dollars to grow to a billion dollar plus valuation. He's bootstrapped and when he needs liquidity, they've done great secondary offerings for uh, folks that want to take advantage of that. Most importantly, they're, they're, they're really owning number two space right now in kind of the HR and HR onboarding, recruiting, management, now getting into the ad spend for recruiting space. 3,500 customers paying on average, call it four grand a month. That's double what it was called two, three, four years ago. So healthy revenue expansion happening. Uh, Past 160 million coming out of 2017, hoping to pass maybe close to 200-ish going out of 2018 as they look to scale. 750 folks uh, based all around the country, 24-month payback period. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Colin Day. He's the chairman and CEO of a company called iSims. He incorporated the company in 2000 with a vision to deliver applicant tracking software, emphasizing ease of use and an unparalleled customer experience. This is obviously for the HR space. Under his leadership, the company has grown to become the leading best-of-breed provider of talent acquisition software in the industry. We were joking before we started, you, you've changed backgrounds since the last time you were on back about a year ago. So you've moved into a new location at the old Bell Labs place, huh? We did. Yeah. And no, we moved into uh, our previous headquarters about six years ago and we thought we would never outgrow that building and then uh, promptly did. Um, and we are delighted to be now in, yes, the old Bell Labs headquarters in Holmdale, New Jersey. I love that. Well, so real quick, in case people missed the first episode, just give us the overview of what you guys do because the HR space is very hot. It's also fragmented. What are you focused on? Absolutely. Um, So, you know, we are a pure SaaS provider um, and we focus just on the talent acquisition industry. So really end to end recruiting from your advertising needs, marketing to passive candidates, uh, um, obviously the the applicant tracking the recruiting process uh, straight through to onboarding. Um, And then we end there. We hand off to the sort of the HCM payroll providers of the world. Got it. So just to be, that's kind of where you cut, where are you passing customers at that point? Typically name a few of the companies that you work closely with. Sure. So, so typically um, we deal with the upper end of the market. So we call it majors and enterprise majors is typically call it about a hundred employees to 2,500 employees. And those cases we're usually handing off to an ADP, um, an ultimate software, a Ceridian, uh, at the high end of the market for our enterprise customers that go, you know, north of 100,000 employees, we're handing off to an Oracle, an SAP, a Workday. Okay, that makes good sense. And give us a quick update kind of on the business, right? So about a year ago when you came on, I pressured you, but you, you gave me a little bit of information. I said, hey, you, you know, if I do the math quickly, you're you're above $9 million a month in revenue. And you said, yeah, we're north of that. I mean, our, how, what's growth rate looking like year over year? Yeah. So, I mean, we're happy to disclose a little bit. We exited uh, 2017 over 160 million ARR. Uh, so the, the annual recurring run rate uh, was over 160 million at the exit of 2017. 
Um, we are looking to continue to grow. We're sort of challenging ourselves to grow 25% plus every single year. Um, and we've been proud, you know, we've done it over the last five, six years. Um, and as I mentioned, it's not just a challenge to grow fast and at scale, but we're also doing it profitably. Uh, and there's just not a lot of that out there. So we're really proud of that side too. Bootstrapped or you raised anything? Um, we call it bootstrapped. We have an investor. Um, the investor was all uh, secondary. It was all liquidity. Uh, so their money did not go into the business. Uh, so we like to think of it as an entirely bootstrapped company. Yep. A lot of a lot of private equity firms that I work with that are doing these secondary offerings, one of their biggest concerns is, you know, once you make a man or a woman rich, it's very hard to keep them motivated. Uh, and that's their biggest concern with doing secondary offerings. Uh, you've done that. Um, I assume you took some money off and of maybe other important executives. How do you keep everybody motivated? I think it's just a burning drive inside. Um, we hire the right kind of people, the people who, uh, you know, just really want to see the company win. And we, we try to keep that sort of infused in the culture. Um, it is true. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, including myself, we've, we've, we've gotten some money out of the business, but, uh, I would not say that drive to win has, has waned at all. The good, the good news is even though we think we're the largest sort of best in breed provider, uh, we we're number two in the industry or Oracle bought this company Taleo. Uh, they've still got the largest customer base. So I think we all come in every day saying, hey, we haven't made it. There's still something to be going for here. That's the golden nugget I was looking for. Kind of who are what's still, you know, spurring the competitive engines. And it's that. So what what is how does that race look like right now? How many customers do they have? Um, it, it's, it's tough to tell now. Um, we can get a proxy, but uh, they, they are pretty far out there. I'd say they're, you know, we're about 3,500 customers. I would guess that they're probably north of 5,000 customers, but we are growing rapidly. Um, and I think there's a bit of a changing of the guards going on. There's also Workday on the Ascent, taking a lot of customers too. So the dynamics are interesting, but, um, you know, we, we come in every day with a, a fire in the belly saying, guys, we have not made it yet. We're nowhere near. We got a long way to go. Yeah. And in terms of economics on your customer base, so if you passed 160 million going out of 2017, uh, and I kind of break that down to what each of these customers might pay monthly, it comes out to call it maybe 38 or, or four grand per month ish. Tell me more about that. What are they getting for that kind of spend? Yeah, sure. So, so um, you're you're about right. I think one of the things over the last three years is we we came up through the SMB world. So our our unit economics used to be actually lower when we were playing on the sort of small business side. Um, we've definitely moved up market, and so we've seen that our average deal size uh, has gone up consistently, sort of every year as we continue to move up, up market. Can you quantify that, Colin? I'm curious how drastic that was. Like two years ago, what was your ARPU compared to what it is today? Um, I would say, you know, our average deal size is probably uh, close to double in the in the last few years. So so it's it's been a pretty significant move up. We've been signing some very large companies, you know, the Microsofts, the Amazons, the Intuits, etc. Um, but uh, yeah, our, our customers very simply, they pay us a one time implementation fee um, and uh, and then they pay us a monthly service fee. The service fee is is pretty much predicated upon. Um, we, we take a hybrid approach, the size of the organization. So I know a lot of people will look at a PEPA model, a per employee per month model. Um, we take a look a little bit of that. You can have a very large company who's not recruiting heavily or a very small company who's tripling in size. And I think we're able to sort of capture the dynamics 
with a hybrid approach. Mm-hmm. And just so we can understand again what that ACV increase have looked like. So where are you at today, average year one ACV? Uh, so I would say, yeah, we have probably gone from two years ago that the average company paying us 2000 a month to, to, I would guess, and again, I'm spitballing a little yep. bit here, but I would say in that sort of 5000 a month, four to 5000 a month now. Yeah. Um, talk to me more about kind of the capital markets. When, what, by the way, what year did you do the secondary in? So, so we did two rounds of it with the same investor. They, they came in uh, seven years ago and did a first round and then uh, about a year and a half to do a, another round. And very luckily they were there for us and uh, they participated in that round too. And what, the the one you did a year and a half ago, I mean, I imagine whenever you do any one of these kind of liquidation events, you look at all options. Do you sell the business? Do you look at an IPO? Do you do a secondary or do you do nothing at all? What did that what did the ecosystem look like for all four of those things about a year ago? Yeah, we um, honestly, every single year we strap plan and we take a look at this and sort of where are we going and what are the needs? How's the market? Should we be looking at options? Um, and and honestly, should we be buying companies? We we, we did a pretty big acquisition uh, at the beginning of this year. But um, which uh, company did you acquire? Uh, we bought a company called Tex Recruit out of San Jose uh, that had really caught on to the momentum that, hey, listen, you know, candidates are changing. They're not they're not responding as well as they used to to phone calls and emails, um, but respond incredibly well on, you know, texting, messaging, even bot interactions off of career sites. Uh, so uh, we were really happy to kind of bring them into the fold. But um, you are right. We, we look at all the options. Uh, we constantly look at IPO. I think we have all of the the metrics, the scale, the growth, the profitability to take a look at that. Uh, but the reality is, uh, believe it or not, to sort of hit our goals, we're not sure we we need to to go down that route right now. We want to keep it open as an option, sort of make sure that it's there in case you know market dynamics or our needs change. Uh, but uh, yeah, we 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 look, you know, private markets, public markets, M and A. Um, we're, we're, we're constantly evaluating the options, just trying to make the right choices. Okay. So, so the reason you stay, the, the IPO reasoning there is you just, it's not something you need right now. You feel like there's enough private capital. Why put up with the regulation if you can leverage private capital and not have to worry about it? Is that accurate? So I've been told, again, I mean, the best I can come and I've chatted with pretty much every bank out there, every investor, and the best I can come up with is that there's three reasons to IPO, which is, uh, you know, need for capital. And you you think it's better in the public market than the private market. We don't have that dynamic right now. Um, And then uh, I've been told that the second one is CEO vanity. Uh, which uh, it's I, I I don't wake up every day saying I got to be ringing that bell and yeah. getting a picture of myself uh, and and then the third one which I think has some legitimate is is just brand exposure and and that's the one we always want to take very seriously particularly as we've gone up market and you know we are fighting the oracles the SAPs the work days uh, CIOs and CFOs you know when when the project comes to their desk for blessing. Uh, they know those companies, but every once in a while they'll say, what is an ICOMS or an ICIMS? And uh, we'll, we'll have to explain what a great company we are. So, so that is the one that I think we're constantly looking at. Uh, would would that help us as we continue to move on market? Yeah, it's, that's a tough thing. I know many companies have gone public just for that reason. A lot of security companies have done that just for legitimacy. They will help them win deals. 
Exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So that's, that takes the IPO thing off the table. I imagine, look, I imagine a company like Vista, they're raising 14 billion right now. It's very hard to deploy that amount of capital. You're the perfect kind of target for them. Why not? I mean, I bet you they offer 1.5, 1.8 easily for something like this, seven to seven to 10 X revenue. Why not sell to a Vista? (laughs) We look at the options. We really do. Um, we, we want to make sure first and foremost that yes, we're, we've, we've got our strategy set. We know what we're trying to accomplish over the next three to five years. And then we ask ourselves who would be the right partners. Uh, do we have the right partners in tow? Do we need to look at some outside partners? So, um, yeah, there's some very interesting, uh, private equity companies out there, interesting strategics. I mean, there's all sorts of options right now, which is a good thing, uh, for a company, but. Um, we're, we're dead set on trying to figure out, you know, how to move from a kind of $200 million business to a $500 million business. And I think, uh, making sure we've got the right plan and strategy before we then say, right, how do we go partner up and, uh, you know, get the right partnerships to deploy the right capital. Two last questions here. Uh, you exited 2017 at 170, you exit 2018 at what, what you think you break 210, 215 ish? Uh, you're 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 in the ballpark. We're we're looking to certainly go over two. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just I'm just taking your twenty I'm not a genius. I'm just taking your twenty five percent growth target on the one seventy. Yeah. Okay, very good. You can do that math faster in your head than I can do it. So. Uh, I have fun doing it, you know. Um, and then last question. Uh, people might be listening going, I'm I'm playing in the HR space. I'd love to learn how Colin is thinking about making potentially future acquisitions. What what's your decision tree look like on those? So we are really interested right now what's going on, believe it or not, in, in the recruitment advertising side of the equation. So our market, if you kind of add up all the software, is it's about a $7.5 billion market. But but tangential to us is a $15 billion recruitment advertising market. Um, so this is where people spend, you know, for LinkedIn licenses and Indeed and, and all of that. Uh, Google has gotten in this game in a big way, announcing Google for jobs, essentially saying like, okay, after 10 years of ignoring and sending 80% of the traffic to boards and making boards, uh, we're getting in and we're going to try to sort of eradicate the middlemen and make the uh, job searching experience much, much better. We are fantastically excited about that because I think applying for a job and going through all these middlemen and boards to ultimately get to the job has has not been uh, the best experience. So we're working with them heavily. We're building products sort of around them. And, and I think it's it's a chance for us to go sort of further up the funnel. So rather than thinking about broadening out downstream into HR, payroll, et cetera, we're much more excited about actually going upstream and sort of riding with Google on this new wave. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, it makes a lot of sense. Um, last economics questions here before we wrap up with the famous five. You shared last time you were on the show that you were totally happy paying you know, up to $60,000 in CAC to acquire these customers. I assume you have a payback period target there. Has anything changed drastically in terms of what you're willing to pay to acquire these customers since your ARPU or your ACB has almost doubled? Uh <laughs> We've taken a look. So we look at acquisitions. The acquisitions we've been the most interested in making, believe it or not, is is buying products. We, we've got a big customer base, 3,500 customers. So we're mostly interested in, in getting new products into our bag that, that we can get to our customers. Um, buying customers, the unit economics have still been a little bit difficult for us. We do also think there's just so, so much movement in the industry uh, that, that there's a little bit of danger of just buying customers, buying a competitor's customer. Oh, sorry, Colin. I meant, so I meant, sorry, I meant your own CAC, your own customer acquisition costs, like internally your own engine as you onboard new customers, what are you paying to acquire them? 
so we don't typically disclose our own own CAC, but it has been steady state. It's actually been improving a little bit. So we're pretty excited about firing up our own engines. Okay. Uh, we still think there's a long runway on the marketing and sales side. Um, so th- that data is showing us we've got the runway. Let me maybe ask a different question that will still be instructive to, to my audience, which is um, what do you try and optimize payback period for as kind of a bootstrapped, highly successful $200 million AR company? Yeah, so so we take a look at, um, you know, some benchmarks. We look at like the PAC Crest reports and other reports that are coming out in terms of the payback. I think a two-year payback is is typically pretty good, and, and that's a comfortable economic we're looking for. We know the renewal rates of our customers. We know how sticky they are, how long they stay with us. Um, so we are comfortable doing a little bit of price subsidization on the implementation fee and on the year one, um, sort of shooting for kind of end-of-year two payback. Are you north of 110% net revenue retention annually? Uh, again, this is one that we don't disclose, but but yes, we're, we're trying to shoot for certainly 105% plus, but uh, I think the gold standard of the industry is is 110. Yep. And uh, last question, last time you were on, which was about a year ago, you were at 650 folks. What's team size today? We are a little bit over 750 now. So, oh. you know, continue to grow and uh, we have a lot of positions open right now. That's good. And where can people find those positions? Just on the website? Straight on the website. Yeah, Very good. Very good call. And let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? I still go with my original. My, it's I love good to great. I feel like good to great is just, it has everything about the culture of the company wrapped up in it. And number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Uh, I'm really interested in Satya. I've never seen a turnaround like what he's putting together. So I continue to say, uh, uh, very interested in what he's doing over at Microsoft. Did he overpay for GitHub? Ah, time will tell. I think people are asking the same about LinkedIn. Yep. We'll see. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building your business? Online tools. I am, my God. I, I, I don't even want to date myself with that. <laughs> I, I still start all of my great ideas in PowerPoint, and then I just hand them over to our branding department. I thought you were going to say maybe like pencil or something, right? Like, you know, the, yeah, the mechanic. Yeah, well, pencil works too. All yeah. right. <laughs> Number four, Colin, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I'm doing better. I'm doing better. I had moments where, you know, it wasn't enough, but uh, I would say a, a solid eight. That's good. Eight I was going to say your smile says eight, nine, ten. And I assume your, your and your energy does, too. So I assume that's that's working well for you. And yeah. uh, and what's your um, what's your situation? Married, single, you have kiddos? Uh, we're married. Uh, we have two kids, a uh, younger daughter, six, who literally lost her first tooth this morning. And then uh, we've got a son who's eight. Oh, I love that. Who plays Tooth Fairy? You or her? Uh, we, we do a little bit of a combo. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'll never forget. I, I've had CEOs come on and they say, yeah, my kids, they're so smart. They're going to be entrepreneurs because they realize if they lose one tooth, they make money. So what happens is they go to school and when their friends lose teeth, they pay them less than what they know they can make from their tooth fairy. <laughs> and they do a, they do arbitrage on tooth fairy teeth. <laughs> All right. And, uh, Colin, how old are you? I am 42. All right. Last question. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? Uh, Take it easy and trust your gut. I, I think a lot of the times I, I had a gut feeling, I went against it, and then I realized ultimately that it was right. So uh, take it easy. There's a lot of people who give advice. 
trust your gut. Guys, take it easy and trust your gut. Founded in 1999, Colin showing us another way and many would argue a much better way to build a SaaS company. You don't have to raise a billion dollars to grow to a billion dollar plus valuation. He's bootstrapped and when he needs liquidity, they've done great secondary offerings for uh, folks that want to take advantage of that. Most importantly, they're, they're, they're really owning number two space right now in kind of the HR and HR onboarding, recruiting, management, now getting into the ad spend for recruiting space. 3,500 customers paying on average, call it four grand a month. That's double what it was called two, three, four years ago. So healthy revenue expansion happening. Uh, past 160 million come out of 2017, hoping to pass maybe close to 200-ish going out of 2018 as they look to scale. 750 folks uh, based all around the country. 24-month payback period. Colin, thank you for taking us to the top. It's been a pleasure.